Hello, good people, and welcome to the Brunswick Beer Collective. Uh, this is another episode in our series on beer styles. And I'm Chris Shorten, with me is Paul Christoph. Uh, good if- afternoon. With me is Jeffrey Chi. Yeah, afternoon. You deserve that. I was about to say good morning, and I was like, well, it's definitely not morning. Yeah, it's but not I did, evening. But I did start the day with a um, gin and tonic. Sure. Mm-hmm. Poor Tim's, poor Tom's strawberry gin. I, I did. I, I did see that photo, and all I thought to myself was like, um, I have no. I assume that's got alcohol in it, but yeah, it well, just three of us were there. We're ordering. We had our coffees, and we look at the board. It's like, oh, strawberry gin and tonic. And Lauren's like, oh, natural. Natural like pet nat wine. It's like, when do you reckon they're liquor license? And I said, well, based on um, when Ale House is allowed to serve alcohol on Monday, I'm going to guess um, tomorrow being Super Bowl, which also gives you an indication of when we're recording this. I was like, I'm going to bet that they start at 10. And I was like, nah, nah, they start at 11. I'm like, do you serve alcohol yet? They're like, yeah, from 10. It's like, cool. <laughs> two, two GNTs on a uh, pet nat. Yeah, nice. Which I guess is that, like, my local um, uh, cafe does, like, Bloody Marys, and they open at God knows what time, but they have Bloody Marys and beer, and that's it. I'm pretty certain they would open at 10 as well for um, booze, which is a nice, it's a nice Melbourne thing, I think. I mean, 10 is a good hour. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you should, particularly on weekends, you should serve booze from 10. I can understand not serving booze at 10 on, like, a weekday. You should have a weekend licence. Yeah, well, that's right. That would make sense. Yeah, but I, they probably don't have one, so you probably just have it where you can serve from. So yeah, I think ten, 10 is a sensible time. Yeah. I mean, nine is almost also a sensible time, I suppose. Yeah. I, don't really I mean, treat people like adults. You know, it's a sensible yeah. time, but mm. exactly, exactly. Like, ten is a good compromise. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I remember one time um, I was in London and I was at the at like, a, at like a Sainsbury's, like trying to buy a I don't know, like a breakfast bar because I was about like had like an early flight somewhere there was some dude pacing up and down like waiting to when they would like serve like selling like a bottle of bourbon or something like that <laughs> it was like 7am it's like ah oh, sir you got a little while to wait <laughs> <laughs> oh god I hadn't even thought about buying bourbon at 7am but again maybe it's the end of the previous night maybe Maybe. It, it, mm. didn't, it didn't look like it. It didn't okay. look like it. Unless it was just one... Unless his life is just one continuous night. Quite possible. Mm. Yeah. Quite possible. Yeah. Mm. The guy was Batman. It's like how you don't have time zones as well. Yeah, so. exactly. Mm. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. This guy has. This guy only has night, no day. Darkman. <laughs> Darkman. <laughs> it wasn't Liam Neeson. I don't believe so. It could have been. I mean... <laughs> Liam Neeson comes and asks him for a bottle of bourbon. You sell him a bottle of bourbon. I, I think mm. you do. Otherwise, he'll find you. Mm. He'll track you down. So, so doing a um, very, very long leap between that, I would like to think that Liam Neeson's next film, um, next Taken, like Taken 8 or something, um, that he'll get taken to Belgium, which is where our styles for this episode are coming from. Nice segue. That was the best I could come up with, Jeff. I needed the Liam Neeson thing, otherwise I would have had <laughs> So this is... Well, I would admit, I'll admit that... Um, uh, you know, I kind of, I saw it on the feed and it's like, oh yeah, Belgian styles. And then then later on I thought to myself like, and even just before the episode, it's like, I have no idea how, what, like, what, because I looked at lists and like, Belgian styles are Gerzes, but they're also um, Lambics, but they're also farmhouses, but they're also triples. Yep, and we've kind of, we've done Gerzes and mm. Lambics already, like they've, they've been done. Um, and we're not really here to talk about Saisons either, I don't think, I think when, you no. know, because yeah, that. No, it's not for the season. Yeah, so I think I think the you know your sort of more conventional Belgian ale, I think, is kind of what we're here to talk about. You know, your double double toil and trouble 
cauldron, <laughs> cauldron brewed beers. Those ones. Sounds very Harry Potter at this point. Mm. Or, or Macbeth even. Okay. No, you're not allowed to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a terrible episode. I thought Voldemort was thinking you weren't allowed to say it. <laughs> <laughs> he who shall not be named. So for my, uh, my de- uh, definition, I looked up um, um, a website called kitchen.com. Oh, go on. Um, which was ki- uh, thekitchen.com with the E missing because I'm guessing thekitchen.com with the E was already taken. Um, and the, the, this is their quick and dirty guide to be- Belgian style, sorry, Belgian beer styles, beer sessions from 2010. And they've got a nice little picture of a Cantillon um, beer there, which, which is nice. Um, but and so it goes through Lambics, it goes through Saisons, and then it gets to the Debels and the Tripels. Um, they're apparently dark amber brand beers with a lot of rich roasted malt flavours. Okay, that could almost be any beer. Um, Jeff, do you have a more interesting version? I, I don't. I mean, but of course, within Belgian beers, you've got like the, the Trappist beers, right? Which is like, so you've got this, it's all steeped in history. Right? The Belgians, well, the Belgians didn't invent the beer. I think the Egyptians invented beer, but the Belgians yes. kind of turned mm. it into a fucking art form, right? Um, and it was the monks who evidently needed to brighten up their boring lives with just getting hammered all the time or something like that, or enabling the populace to get hammered. Don't know. Religion drives people to drink. Yeah, well, yeah. champagne. Yeah, well. yeah, well, that's right. So, yeah, so there are, yeah, so... I learned that from the film The Rock. I'm just going to very quickly skim through this. So, the Trappist Order originated in the Cistercian Monastery of La Trappe in France. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, various Cistercian congregations existed for many years, and by 1664, the abbot of La Trappe felt the Cistercians were becoming too liberal. <laughs> he introduced strict new rules in the abbey, and the strict observance was born. Um... Monastery brew houses, beers brewed in, in, in accordance with the strict observance. Um, so basically, there's just a whole mm. lot of rules that relate to Trappist beer. Um, so there were, six, there were eight OG Trappist breweries, Orval, Chimay, Westveleran, Rockport, so, Westmala, and Arkel. I'm so Belgium. hoping that that's how the Trappists are virtual. These are the OG breweries. Yeah, the OG breweries, that's right. Uh, one from Netherlands, which is Koningshoven, and one from Germany, um, Maria Wald. They founded the International Trappist Association to prevent non-Trappist commercial companies from abusing the Trappist name. Uh, so criteria, <laughs> I've heard this story before for every other thing. The beer must be brewed within the walls of a Trappist monastery, un- either by the monks themselves or under their supervision. The brewery must be of secondary importance within the monastery and it should witness to the business practice proper to a monastic way of life. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brewery is not intended to be a profit-making venture. The income covers the living expenses of the monks and the maintenance of the buildings and grounds. Whatever remains is donated to charity for social work and to help persons in need. Holy shit. Okay. I, I did not know no. two of those three things. Yeah, I, only, yeah. I only knew the one where it had to be brewed by monks in, a, in, like, yeah, in but, the monastery. But it was essentially they used beer as a fundraiser. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it makes you, makes you actually appreciate religion. So yeah, much. that. No, no, no. But, far, it, it, no. but it might make me drink more Belgian beer. I think mm. is what what it might do because because I, I, I would have spoken about this also fifteen thousand times on this podcast. But yeah, Belgian styles just not really not really my jam. I don't really drink that much. Belgian it's interesting. Beer. Speaking of Belgian style brewery, go on. Beer. Here is a, an article I found by Chris Rice writing an all-about-beer magazine in January 2014. I wonder what that magazine is about. Yeah. And they are writing about... He's writing about the difference between Belgian beer and Belgian-style beer. Oh. Mm. Yeah, so there's a bit of a kerfuffle with 
around 2014, it would appear, is when Belgian beers were becoming popular, quite mm. popular amongst the craft beer crowd. And uh, the Belgian Family Brewers, which is represents 21 of Belgium's oldest independent family breweries, were getting uh, quite annoyed by all these beers, saying they're Belgian beers, Belgian-style beers. So um, you've got Antoine Bostils, the seventh-generation leader of Bostils Brewery and brewer of Triple Car- Carmelite. Mm-hmm. So he says the true character and ability of a brewer is the quality of the triple he can brew. Mm-hmm. I guess he would say that, given that their beer they're famous for is a triple. But then he's going on about you know fruit additions and yada yada yada. But he's pretty much saying you know there's no such things like as an imperial pills. No, we can find a lot of Belgian style imperial pills, and it's like never going to happen in Belgium. So if you at the shops and you see a beer from Belgium, if you see Belgian style, don't get it. You know, if you want a Belgian beer, it has to say Belgian beer. Although, is this like the um, champagne versus um, sparkling? Essentially, yeah. Or I mean, something? yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's, I mean, it comes and it comes down to the uh, thing about what can be a Trappist. Yeah, mm, yeah. The thing right. it's that doesn't mean that it's worse. Mm. I think that's that's something with all kinds of products in general, isn't it? People. You just yes. attach labels to things, and that's meant to mean that yeah, they're like, for some reason. I mean, you know, yeah, the people that have been doing this for a long time in the region where it was invented, yes, there is a lot of good stuff from there, but it doesn't mean that somebody who has a passion for the thing and learns yeah. how to do it and then makes it elsewhere using quality ingredients. Yeah. And can't make whisk, an equally like, whiskey good thing. Not in, well, whiskey is the same thing, isn't it, with the E or without the Yeah, yeah, yeah e. that's right. It's like it doesn't really matter. Like yeah. if you know how to make good whiskey and you love it and you have quality inputs yeah or, or bourbon bourbon has to be produced within the united states mm. but you know there's no reason why a Anywhere distillery else. here could not make bourbon yeah 51 percent corn in the mash and distill away or topake because yes. it's no longer called um what was it in hungary now uh, tokay yeah tokay that's so right. we used to call it tokay in australia as well but then oh. the whole thing came so now in australia you get topake and of course, just because it is now called Topeka and not Tokay, does it's not, not mean it's what it not is. just as good as yeah. anything you can get from Hungary. But, and of course, I feel like the dilemma with any of this, um, like protectionism, is the fact that um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't get to evolve because they're so they evolved to something better because no one's allowed to evolve that thing to something better. So it just essentially they hold on to the exact same way they've been making these things for years. Well, and I think it's true. I think I think that's perhaps changing now. But I think certainly it does act as a way to stop stop you from innovating because you're like, well, we make this and we have the name and the name's our selling point and that will, that's why people buy it. But I, I personally think that we've reached, because I was the same, I would think back in the day, oh, you know, it's from there, it's got the name. Yeah, that, that's better. You just assume it. And this whole thing's been happening for a few decades now. Mm. You kind of realise that, oh, that's not necessarily the case. I think there's more and more people cotton on to the idea that, mm. yeah, the name and the place where it's made is not determinative of the quality. I think now you're finding you're finding um, examples of Belgian brewers, for example, that are doing some different things. Yeah, I think you're finding some of these traditional, even I mean Rodenbach. You know, you can get something small as Rodenbach now being available in a can. Yeah, that just would have never yeah. happened and, back and in the day. Random yeah, I mean, it was like we were lucky to get it without a cork, right? Like you know, when yeah. they started capping bottles, that was that was a revolution. It's, it's a small thing, but you know, doing that and some of these Belgian beers are breweries are doing collaborations, which yep. wouldn't with mm. brewers from outside of the country, which wouldn't have happened before. Is that is that what the Abbey Collabi was the Sierra Nevada one? 
I don't think that was. I think Isn't that was... the Abby Calabi the mountain goat one? No, no, that's the um, that's different. You know, the Abby Calabi is Moondog. Is that the mountain goat? It's the four brewers that yeah. Do oh, what, be a what, what's what's the what's the? You think the Sierra Nevada, the yeah. Abbey, but no, the ones you mean. Yeah, and they released the Ov the Ovilla series. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah they come like four pack. Yeah, yeah. We, we had them. We had them on, on the episode for years. Ago. And yeah, and that that's a good example. Yeah. That's, that is about they are Belgian style beers, and they were brewed by, it was some kind of monk mm. society, mm. but like in the states. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it was a collaboration with the Abbey of New Clairvaux. Yeah. Course. And they're fantastic, yeah. guys. But they're not Belgian beers, mm. technically speaking. So is there anything else that we need to know about Belgian beers? Oh, there's probably a hell of a lot we need to know about <laughs> Belgian beer. We just don't, we don't know it. Is the, uh, is, is, I is, think is, there is the are... <laughs> I think, I think, no, I think there are a lot of people... It's one of those things people use it as a sort of a source of pride in, or to show how far evolved their palate is. I like, you know, I like Belgian beers. I drink this quad. I, you know, yeah. a lot of people are scared to admit that they don't like certain Belgian beers because they think it's going to annoy someone. Annoy someone. And it's like, prove that you're yeah, like, you like, know, you don't have to like Belgian beers. Yeah. It's no, fine. And, but yeah, I think, I think, yeah, you know, I think, I, I don't know. It's, it's like the way that I got into, um, into heavy metal was like not via the conventional listen to old school thrash metal and then get into like different types of metal, like a sort of, you know, went up and started listening to melodic death metal and then kind of backfilled. It's the same thing with craft mm. beer, right? I never really drank Belgian beer um, to start with. I drank, just started drinking like American craft beer and so that's where my palate is. And so it's, but the problem is you can't then backfill it and then decide, oh, I also like, well, it's not that I don't, not that I dislike Belgian beer, but it's just not to my, yeah, not to my taste because the, you know, the, the yeast feel is different, the mouthfeel is different, like it's just different. Um and yeah, yeah, but yeah, there, there is, there, there, you know, there's wankery on both sides, but yeah, you know, a lot of it's like, yeah, you know, I really like my Chimay or my Duvel or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, it's fine. You can like all the things, like whatever you like. Crazy. Crazy. I know, weird, right? Yeah. I don't understand. But why don't we actually drink some beers? Sounds good. And we are back, and we're on to what are we on to? Uh, we're on to Chimay, so one of the Trappist breweries that we mentioned before the break. Uh, it's their red one, so it's, it's listed as a brown <laughs> ale on the on the label. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take their word for it that mm. it's a brown ale. So on Untapped, it's, it, it's like a Weezer record. Yeah, that's right. On Untapped, it lists as a Belgian double, um, and I looked this up. So the term double is also double like as in two times, is a Belgian Trappist beer naming convention. The origin of the double was a strong version of a brown beer brewed in the West Smaller Abbey in 1856. Uh, so I guess it just means double brown ale, I guess. So this is like the OG mm. Imperial Brown Ale, basically. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I, it, it is weird that... Um when you break it down like that, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's really cool. But prior to that point, there was this mystique of like a double. It's like something mystical. It's yeah. So yeah, so yeah, the doubles are understood now understood to be a fairly strong six to eight percent alcohol by volume brown ale, and and the problem is craft beer. The craft beer universe is now caught up with the double, mm. and doubles not really that strong anymore. No, yeah, no, I remember. I think it was like the Duvel. The first time I ever had it, it was like seven percent. Oh yeah, ten. That's right. It's like this is like ridiculous. Like <laughs> a double digit beer. Like well, even this, like it's seven at the time when it like because because obviously. 
This stuff's been around for like eight years. These are the ones like, I remember like, yeah, over 10 years ago finding these. That's I'm going like, what is this? What is this? What is this sorcery? How do you do this? (laughs) Well, I've actually had this one once before on a coin time in Untapped World. Yeah, I've had this once before in Untapped World. 80th of January 2014. How's that for going back in time? Whoa. Paddington Ale House in Perth. Where where have I had it before? Let me see. Let me see. Um, so I had it at the Heritage Belgian Beer Cafe. I guess that's the one at Eureka. Yeah. Mm. No, the Sydney. The, that's the no, Sydney one. The right? Sydney one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember go. drinking beer out of uh, some interesting looking shoe device. Not a shoe. Catapult. Interesting container though. Yeah. Catapult. <laughs> one of those, one of those famous days that ends up at Frankie's. Mm. Yeah, but a- any day in Sydney should end up at Frankie's. Yeah, usually. So this was the first beer brewed by the monks of Chimay in 1862. Oh, there you go. Originally sold in 750 ml or 75 centiliter bottles. It's it still makes me incredibly happy that it's just monks experimenting with beer because you know what else are they going to do with their time? It's true, but it's, it can't be the majority of their operation. Remember. <laughs> Not the, the majority is the law. Sorry, the Lord. Mm, yeah, that's right. I am the Lord. <laughs> um, first impressions, people. Um, I like it. So, what the Belgian beers that I do like are those ones that have that banana kind of taste, which this has. Mm. See, I'm kind of the opposite. I reckon I've just been scarred by like Who Garden because Who Garden mm. has that kind of mm, banana yeah. clovery. That was Clo- my introduction clovery. to all this. If it was clovery taste, that would just be shit. <laughs> Clovey. <laughs> clovery, though. Let's go for clovery. Yeah, that was one of my introductions to, yeah, pre liking craft beer before I knew what craft beer was. Mm. That when I was not a beer drinker, but yeah, I'd go to the Belgian Beer Cafe in Perth after uni's on a Wednesday with a couple of friends. And yeah, I love the uh, cherry beer. Mm. And um, yeah, Who Garden. I'd always yep. smash both of those and I was like, I like both I don't like beer, but I like both these um both these things. Yeah. But I never really Yeah, never really thought about it as being, oh, this is actually craft beer. This is yeah, sure. starting to like beer, but I guess it was, anyway. I, I feel like everyone's favourite um giveaway glass was always a Who Garden glass. Just because it's like it, it When it, you say giveaway glass, do you mean glass that you stole from the pub? Is that no, what you mean? No, no, like um if you'd buy I think that's if, what you mean. If you bought like a six pack or something you got um, one of those free glasses of Dan Murphy's. Oh, right. And so I, I feel like the amount of houses that I'd, I'd go to and my mates would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, um, no, we're, we're going to drink out of the good glasses, like a Who Garden glass. But at the time, that was the good glass. Sure, sure, sure. Now, of course, it's a thing that you'll find at Savers. Yeah, my first, my, my first recollection of Who Garden was just a big night out at the European Beer Cafe and we were just like running around throwing coasters at each other saying how we all thought that Who Garden tasted like clag. Right. <laughs> Because we all went to primary school. We all know what Clag tastes like. We all know what, clag we all know what ta- clag tastes like. We all know what Who Garden <laughs> tastes like. And for some reason, we connected these two things on that evening. And it was just, that was just... Well, well though maybe it was like one of those um, um, unexpected wins where it was sort of like um, Who Garden were trying to uh, trying to make beer and the first round ended up in Clag. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, of course, they've got a whole bunch of different beers as well. Who Garden have more than just... Mm, shall I say, when I was in, I first discovered this when I was in Lyon. Almost, uh, almost 10 years ago to the day, the very start of my three months around Europe after leaving Perth. And yeah, in their town centre, there was a Who Garden bar. 
Mm. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, I like Hoogarden. And I went in there and there's like, there was like the, the raspberry one and there are all these different mm. flavors. It's like, oh, there's like 10 different Hoogardens. <laughs> Who would have thought? This is cool. 10 different Who. Hmm. So what are people saying about this beer? Well, the difficulty is when well, you've got a, one of these beers that's been around for There's going to be 150 16 years. chickens, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Master J, um, Het is Rude, which translates to It's Red, 4.25. Nicely done. Uh, Mikhail Wine, very nice. Tastes like Belgian beer, 3.75. Uh, Nathaniel D, three out of four on the Chimes. Chimes, just got to get my hands on the gold. This one is excellent, 4.5. That's an interesting, his colour, it's a lot deeper. Maybe it's just his, you know, camera. Um, um, Willem V at Wogelwijk. Fruity aroma, more caramel, spicy taste. Four out of five. Um, Tim S. Um, I'll just won't bother reading it in his language. C translation. That new C translation button. Very handy. <laughs> nice bitter fruity in brackets. Cherry brown. Quite a bit too sweet. Fine. Three point five. That this does not have a. This is not sweet. Like a. I wouldn't say it's an overly sweet beer. I can kind of see where they're coming from. I guess it depends on your but point it is, of But it is sweet. Yeah. Like, it's not It's not a sweet beer, I guess, given how many beers we've had over our lives, but it is sweeter than your average yeah, commercial lager. Yeah, or if, or if the previous beer you'd had was a Brut IPA, this would taste sweet, mm. for example. That's a, good, that's a good comparison. But then again, let's not have Brut IPAs. Well, there's a reason we're not doing Brut IPAs as, as, as an episode, if I'm not wrong. Mm. I'm not wrong, am I? <laughs> oh, we're definitely not doing right. Brut IPAs. Good All right, uh, give me a few more, people. If you uh, can find a few more. Uh, oh, yeah. right. All right, here we go. Uh, Lars B. Yes. Um, translated. It's fine. Good to brown ale to B. 3.25. Um, that was pretty good, Lars. And oh, the fact Lars. <laughs> well, there's this guy, Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> But what I, what, what I like about it, she gave it four. What I like about it is checking those. He purchased it at Costco. Oh, nice. And they well, do actually sell a Chimay at Costco in Australia as well. They have it at Docklands. It's a thing. Next, to the, to show next to the Hobgoblin um, tiny kegs. Yeah. yeah. Jeff F at Third Street Social. Used to be my favourite. Four stars. So I don't know what's changed. Four stars is still pretty good, I'd say. Mm. Uh, Alexander G at Bagel's Bungalow Continuing my Trappist collecting quest Dark brown, nice sustained off-white head Malty and boozy Smooth, effervescent with a bite Hints of dark fruit on the back end Just a, a slight cardboard on the back 4 out of 4.5 <laughs> out of 5 Boozy just at Don Quixote I know Is that in um, Japan, right? Yes oh, oh, I've got a Don Quixote in Hawaii There you go um, so for those of you who do not know, Don Quixote is like a Japanese and, well, clearly they have one in Hawaii as well, but it's a store that sells everything. So whenever I go to Japan, I have to go to Don Quixote. Okay. And I mean everything from beer to electronics to watches to just... Windmills. Mm. Yeah. But like good quality stuff as well. Like yeah. Not, they have crap, but they have also really good quality stuff. Just a really... And... The best selection of um, random ass flavored Kit Kats that I've ever ah, seen. Ah, nice. Which is my awesome. primary reason to go. I end up getting like 10 different boxes yeah, of I'm random down with Kit that. Kats. So yeah, and clearly they sell them Chimay as well. 
Because I normally do my Kit Kat buying at the airport because the airport seems to got like you know yeah, Don Quixote. one or two flavors. But yeah, no, I've never seen the you know the full. That's where you got to go. Yeah. Okay. All right, and it is also a good venue. So sorry, I'm just gonna <laughs> no, 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 complete no. complete side things. Obviously, they sell good beers, but um, also another one of those places where you can happen upon some of those fantastic Japanese whiskies that are hard to find oh, yeah. at a price that is um, cheaper than you'd expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're worthwhile visiting, if ever in Japan or Hawaii, it would appear. There you go. Uh, I wish I could remember the literary reference around who Don Quixote was. He was uh, the dude who tilted at windmills. Was that, the, was that his thing? I'm pretty sure that's Don Quixote. Yeah. Okay. It's not Mexican Spanish, right? Like That whole... Pretty sure he's from around there. No, it's anyway, book. we can look it's, it up. It's a book. It is a book. Yeah, but yeah. I'm sure that's like that's the sure. time where it's. Anyway, we can look that up during the break. <laughs> what do we think, people? Do you taste the cardboard back end? No, no, I don't. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm going to give it three and a half. Like, yeah, it's, I I think this is a perfectly nice beer. Um, I would happily drink it again, but I'm not going to go out of my way to have it again. And that's that's you know, largely just a stylistic preference on my part, which I can't eradicate so yeah fair enough Paul I'm giving a 3.75 so back in 2014 I gave it a 4 I've obviously drunk a lot more beer since then and yeah I like it like it's got that kind of banana-y taste I don't think it's overly sweet compared to a lot of other beers of this style that you can get so um yeah not quite the 4 that I thought it once was but it is very tasty 3.75 uh yeah, I think I'm 3.75 as well. I would drink it again. I don't. I would assume I've had it before, but I don't really remember. But I like it. It's a good beer. Right. Excellent. So let's go one. We're going one more. And we're on to our second beer. And this one has a interesting bottle, just like all of them do. Uh, what is it? Uh, it's the Golden Drak, so Golden Dragon, literally. There's a Golden Dragon on the bottle. I did verify that's what it's meant <laughs> to translate to. but uh, And it's the, it's the 9,000 quadruple uh, by Golden Drak. So it could have just been the 36,000. Mm. Uh, yes. <laughs> Although that would be the quadruple 9,000, not the 9... I don't know. I'm not, what, what's 9,000 quadruple? I mean, what, is, what does that even mean? Well, yeah. Yeah. hey, the like, big questions. That's what either we ask. either That's way, what we ask on here. it's definitely over nine thousand, one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, um, I I always love any beer that has a number on the front. It's like the what was that? What's Haywoods? Or... Yeah, the the Haywoods nine thousand or the Haywoods five thousand. The Indian beer. Yeah. Mm. Oh. That's right. Yes. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It just no. seems like they need a number. It's right to the power of the beer, right? I guess. <laughs> um. Okay, so the golden, uh, the golden dragon, nine thousand. Yeah, nine thousand. Um, what what is it? Uh, so it's a quadrupel. So uh, it is. I, I, I did look up the Wikipedia article for this because we become prepared. Uh, so a quadrupel is a style of beer with an alcohol by volume over ten percent or more. I'm sure that's not the only requirement. Mm. There is little agreement on the status of quadrupel as a beer style. Okay, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> Uh, writer Tim Webb notes that similar beers are called Grand Cru in Belgium. Quadrupel is the brand name of a strong seasonal beer, La Trappe Quadrupel, brewed by De Koningshoven Brew in the Netherlands, one of the 11 Trappist beers. 
In other countries, particularly the United States, quadrupole accord has become a generic trademark. The term may refer to an especially strong style of dark ale with a spicy ripe fruit flavour. So it's pretty loose, actually. Mm. So, interesting fact. 9,000, it's not as arbitrary or as interesting as we thought. Oh, go on. It's the postal code of Ghent in Belgium, where the beer is brewed. Oh, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm okay with that, actually. I don't mind it being like, you yeah. know. <laughs> Someone yeah. for Templar to release a beer called the... Bicycle 3057. (laughs) (laughs) You can pretty much guarantee that's going to happen. Yeah. Because we're talking the break. Like, it it always reminds me of the over 9,000 meme from Dragon Ball Z. Like, it's basically there's there's these two people fighting and they're like, you know, some dude's doing some special move and he's got this meter on it. It's like, oh, what's his his power? It's over 9,000. It's like like these amazing things. I don't even know what units you're talking about, man. But hey, 9,000 must be a a lot of units. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Jeff, do you have the clip? I do have the clip. I do have the clip. It's, it's like we prepared this. But I, I, I'm not really sure. I, I, I think I've got it at the right point. So let's, 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 let's try to see if it works. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? It's over 9,000! What? 9,000? There's no way that can be right! Could it? I think it's right. After all, I was trained in the art of chaos. There you go. So and yeah. funny, if you could see the visuals for the clip, yeah. they are drinking this beer. Mm. They, they are, yeah, they are yeah. drinking the Golden Dragon and they're all, it's also badly dubbed. Like the guy's talking and the words <laughs> are coming out at weird times and stuff. It's, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> I would like to think that all of this beer is based on that clip. No, I, would like, I would assume that most of our uh, listeners are of the generation that did watch Dragon Ball mm. Z. Or at least know what it is. Yeah, yeah. So what are people saying about it? I'm hoping loads of Dragon Ball Z represent. Well, Woody Chandler, um, 11th of May 2014, Hunger and Thirst. I once saw this in a commercial during MST3K back in Y2K. GD9KX4 on MST3K in Y2K. No rating. All right. Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan. Good I would work. love to know what that means. What, Mystery Science Theater? No, there's oh. that, all that stuff. Oh, no idea. Other than Y2K, which is obviously... Um, Pete, could I hobby Pete? At the Belgian Beer Cafe back in 2015. Close to perfection, sweet, fruity, yeasty aroma to die for. Mouthfeel, a lovely sweet sting at the end. Ah, to be back in Ghent. Five stars. Wow. Uh, Got someone called FG. This was a a foreign quote, but it's been translated. Prima quadrupel. It doesn't taste very heavy, even somewhat sweet. 3.75 out of 5. Anna and Duffman enjoyed this back in 2015 on a train ride back to Brussels. Three stars. But they are very, very harsh. Mm. And, and Anna and Duffman three star, I think, is quite a good a miracle. Uh, Fonny C, nice drinkable beer with soft quad aftertaste, 4.5 out of 5. Mm. Yeah, I'm just going through my, my friends list. There's no, nothing there from Michael Helm. So, it's a bit uh, rude. Is it even worth Come drinking? On, mate. Is it even worth drinking? Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is telling us something. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Kevin E, an intensely delicious beer. Despite the high alcohol percentage, still deliciously fruity and easy to drink. Beautiful sweet malt tones, 3.75 out of 5. These translations are actually coming through amazingly coherent. Like All the ones I've read have been translations, not actually written in mm. native English. Yeah. Kevin E, this is another translation. Um, an intensely delicious beer, despite the... I oh, know you said that one. <laughs> All right, give me one more, people. 
there are again with a beer that's this popular and this old. There are a lot of no comments. Check-ins without comments. Here we go. Tennessee, excellent. Lots of complex flavors as a quadruple. It has body and a subtle sweetness that balances well with spices. Four point five. Hmm. So what do we think then? Uh, I'm just yeah. Another sip. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I quite. I actually quite like this. Like, I think for me, the just the more full-bodied Belgian beers just do it for me, and that's probably just my American craft beer upbringing coming through. But yeah, I give this a three point seven five. Like, I. I really like it. I think it's great. Yeah. I'm. I'm upping it to. Um. I'm doing a four for this. If the last one was a three point seven five, this is better, less sweet, more well balanced, fuller-bodied. Yeah. Four stars. I'm sticking with 3.75 again. I really like it. I'd really drink it again. Um, it's. I don't think it's better than the other beer. I just. I just. It's the same amount of enjoyment. Fair enough. Okay. But on that note, uh, we've learned a stupid amount about, uh, well, Belgian styles and a small amount about Dragon Ball Z this episode. Yeah. It's um, a dangerous series. We're learning far too much. Yeah. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure about this infotainment shit. Um, but we have been the Brunswick Beer Collective. We have been Paul Christoph. Good afternoon. We've been Jeffrey Chi. Catch you next time. And we've been me, Chris Shorten. And we will talk to you all next week.